Hello and welcome to The Joy of Writing. I'm your host, Mark Carew. In this series, I will be talking to authors about the fun, the satisfaction, the joy they get from writing novels. We're back with Eleanor Anstruther, author of The Perfect Explanation. I asked her for advice to new writers starting out. Uh, well, for new writers starting out, because it's very dependent on where you are in your career and in your piece of work, but certainly if you're a new writer starting out, unpublished, so you're yet to make that leap from the kitchen table to, to the editor's yeah. uh, desk, um, I think the main one is always turn up. Yeah. Well, that sounds insanely obvious, but... The number of people I know who who are saying they're writing something and they can't, and they, the fact is, if you turn up every day to your piece of work, eventually you will have a finished piece of work. You know whether you like it or not, and often actually with first drafts you don't like it, uh, which is a crucial uh, second bit of advice to understand for all of us. And I think this is something that dawned on me last night: whether you're Margaret Atwood or me, do you know what I mean? If Whether you're at the top of your game or you're really in year one or two or you're, or you're unpublished yet, the empty page is the same for all of us yeah. without any question. It's an absolute Absolutely. equal yeah. and, um, and first drafts for all of us will be not that good. So Agreed. when yeah. you're an um, unpublished writer and you're working towards making that leap, those thoughts that will come into your head as they come into everyone's head, mine, yours, Margaret Atwood's, absolutely Henry James, you know, everybody, is, oh no, this is no good, it's not working, la la la. That is not a reason to stop. That is the nature of a first draft, don't worry about it. Yeah, I quite agree. Yeah, I mean, as you say, turn up and just do it. Just as the do famous it. slogan goes, yeah. Exactly, and I think, you know, it's a it's a very long, slow process. It's a, it's a very solitary, singular business and um, one of the techniques I use and it does come down to very technical aspects I think certainly in getting your first draft nailed and ready for an editor um, is 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 uh, setting yourself um, a, a routine and a regime that you can sustain mm-hmm. and then that'll be different from everybody and and for me with the first draft and I'm on my third book but it's the same thing first draft I work from five till seven every morning that's two hours I don't make myself do any more than two hours because I'm really pulling this material out of the air. Yeah. Very, very delicate process and you it can't be forced. And no, it's interesting right. as well. So whatever your routine that works for you with your work, your family, your creative process, set it and stick to it. Yes. Yes. You know, so you, you, you you've mentioned a solid daily two hours. Yeah. Um do you attach a word count to that, the dreaded word count? I have done in the past, I have two versions, two ways of getting a first draft down on the page. And I think for any writer, that first draft's the hardest bit, really, because you're going from nothing to something. And I either do two hours, I either set myself two hours a day, it doesn't matter if I don't write anything, and that's a crucial aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Just turn up, sit down, and if you don't write anything, it doesn't matter because you fulfill the obligation that you set yourself. Or I set myself 2,000 words a day. But I find, and that you don't have to use those 2,000 words. That, again, no. is a really important thing to... You, you might well not. <laughs> you may well not use them. But I find the first technique I, is the one I favour. Just turn up. Just turn up and sit there. The words always do come. And actually, I've, I've got lots of quotes, and I'm going to read one of the quotes that I have on my desk. Um, 
and it's from a, an extract from a poem called Walking to Sleep, and it's by Richard Wilbur, and it is, as a queen sits down knowing that a chair will be there, or a general raises his hand and is given field glasses, step off assuredly into the blank of your mind, something will come to you. That, the coincidence, and we haven't set this up, is incredible. Okay. I've taken off my wall a little post-it <laughs> note where I've written down the same thing. Well, there you go. Because it's and I have to, I have to assure the listener this was in no way contrived. <laughs> How wonderful! Well, there yeah, that is, it, and it captures it absolutely. Absolutely captures it. Have faith, because the, my, the, the, the third thing on my list is have faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's turn up, and something will come if you get into that frame of mind. Yeah. Something will turn up. Absolutely. Yes. Fantastic. Yes, I, I agree with all of that. Um, Plotting is often a problem because you might have ideas, um, but seldom are you lucky enough to see, you know, the a vision of the thing all the way through. Mm. Any any suggestions and advice on plotting? Well, I think the world of literary fiction is is very different to um, any of the more recognised or easily recognisable genres like crime, romance, thriller. All yeah. of that. So, and plotting for us, or certainly for me anyway, yeah. is something. It's it's very important, but it's not where I begin. No. So if I'm, if there are other literary fiction um, writers out there listening to this, um, I would say um, have a have an idea in your mind of where you're going. I mean, everything needs a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's no question yeah. that that kind of payoff and satisfaction is really important however far you want to run from from the traditional basic uh, formats of writing um, and I and I think it's important that everybody understands as writers you know uh, you pick up a book because you really want to be entertained and learn and re you know what I mean yeah so to do your reader a favor and do have structure <laughs> it is really important. yeah hold their hand at some point Hold their hand and let <laughs> them feel that you know what you're doing right um, right. For instance, with my first novel, um, I went, I leaned heavily on the transformational arc uh, for my plotting. Yeah. Because, and I think this is probably good advice to, to debut writers, um, when you're learning how to do this enormous, incredibly difficult job, leaning on, on very um, tried and tested um, structural formats is, is not a bad thing to do. And it definitely worked for me because I had so much else on my plate that I was learning at once that I just, it's the basic three act format. Yes. Um, and um, it just helped me hang a very complex uh, plot and narration onto something tried and tested. Yeah. Um, and I learned how to do it. And then for the second one, I've slightly, um, I've got, I've been a bit braver. And with the third one that I'm writing now, which is more of a non-fiction novel essay memoir, I'm really going off off piste a little bit. But I think yeah. you can only go off piste once you've learned how to ski the slopes. Just to yeah, push. agreed. I mean, get the basics done and experiment oh, with those. Yeah. So, so uh, tell me more about the non-fiction um, aspects, the memoir, auto-fiction, that type of thing. Well, um, again, I think I mentioned this before. I've been very, very influenced by the um, Ocean Vung on, on Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Um, yeah. It's not only the content, it's the shape of that mm -hmm. novel. And actually, I mean, he talks a lot about his influences of To the Lighthouse and various other novels which, um, having learnt how to do it, play by the rules, 
the authors, Virginia Woolf, uh, yeah. could go completely off off bat because oh, she knew, completely <laughs> she knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah, and I am pushing myself with this third book to experiment a little bit more. Mm. I think I've earned my stripes enough to do it, so I'm just trying, and it's much more of a spiral shape, mm. um, and it's much more the movement as character rather than um, hanging on specific plot turns. It doesn't have a, a, a traditional um, plot uh, movement at all. Yeah. And it, it'll work or it won't work, who knows, you know. But I mean, I know I've spoken to um, lots of r other writers and I took Amanda Saint's class, I don't know if you know her, Retreat West, brilliant teacher, and she teaches a great uh, plotting class. And I think for anyone, whether you, you are, uh, whether you plot from the beginning or you figure out your story and then hang it on yeah. a plot, Learning how to do it is, is absolutely crucial, and um, you know shouldn't be dismissed. Oh, absolutely. absolutely! No matter who your heroes are, whether they're you know James Joyce or Virginia Woolf or <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's starting at the uh, the top of the pile, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. We need to <laughs> calm it down a bit and just get that first draft done. Well, but um, I have to say that when I was writing the, my first drafts, I, I was mentored by Sally Klein at Goldust. And right. one of the things I remember going to one of her classes and being really furious that she kept on saying that I had to be more, I uh, had to learn the rules. And I said, you know, you know, she said to me, you're not Virginia Woolf. Yes. Stand up. And it was the best piece of advice because yeah. it really brought me like, okay, learn your trade before you start you know doing I think that's true I mean in many in many activities you'd be asked to learn the basic skills and then then you earn the right to break them exactly that's unless the unless you've proven you've actually uh, in command of those skills then they're well in a mess the building will fall down I know I'm mixing yeah. my message, but anyway <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good point you'd be asking an architect for a very fancy design and, and asking for his previous work exactly and saying, oh no this is the first one <laughs> First, exactly. You wouldn't walk into that building. No, quite right. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned Henry James um, as a favourite author in a particular novel that you um, love very much, and you uh, really rather wish you'd have written. Um, you know, so it's one of those um, a novel that just speaks to you so much. Um, what is it about um, the book, which I'll leave you to introduce, that you love so much? It's the portrait of a lady. Yeah. And um, my God, it's the mastery of it, really. I mean, I'm. We're both sitting here laughing because I, I'm just such a super fan. <laughs> I'm such a fan of it that I go a bit. Uh, can't really articulate quite well. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. But if I just look at the technical aspects of it, um, the sheer mastery right from the very beginning, he introduces the narrator, I. Uh, and he asks, he doesn't even ask you to accept the conceit, you just go with it. Mm. And that mastery of having a narrator, um, uh, you know, narrate a novel and tell you a story is something that we've moved a long way from in the, 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 the modern novel. And often when there is a narrator, the narrator is explained as, as who they are. And I think that technique which is something that, you know, obviously Dickens did it and George Eliot did it. And I did actually, I, my only caveat in choosing uh, The Portrait of a Lady is that it's Henry James and I didn't choose one of the great female writers right. who I admire deeply. But I have to say, I think The Portrait of a Lady is a perfect novel. So it's the mastery of the technique of writing and the fact that he uh, is able to move through the five um, 
points of view from the unconscious, the subconscious, right out to the God voice and back again so smoothly. I mean, you cannot see the seams or the cracks or the joints yes, okay. at all. It's phenomenal. It's also a fantastic story. It's the, the narrative absolutely drives. The characters are brilliant. He writes very simple sentences. He's nothing flashy. You're not thinking about yeah. how clever Henry James is when you're reading that novel. You know, he really, the beauty that comes out again and again in various paragraphs, it just springs from his pen. Um, and uh, it, it's masterful. And, and then, of course, uh, the, the most joyous thing about it is that the ending is inconclusive. We okay. don't know what happens. And that various people have done this. It makes me think of the Magus, John Fowles, which at the end of that, you never right. know what happened. Graham Greene did it at the end of Brighton Rock. Um, but I think um, Henry James was the absolute master of it. Um, I'm going to read it again. Um, I've only read it once, I have to say, um, and it was a few years ago, but it's absolutely stayed with me, and I've read a lot about it. And I just brought it out today to, to remind myself, and I've read the first few pages, and I'm back in. <laughs> back in, loving it again. Oh, obviously the sign of a, of a great book. Um, as for the actual characterization, did you learn um, or anything there, or appreciated anything there which has stayed with you and helped you write your own characters? Well, Isabel Archer is obviously, she's a wonderful uh, heroine, protagonist. There's nothing perfect about her. She falls and stumbles all the time. She's beautifully drawn. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, I think one of the things, I didn't, it didn't consciously inform me. I was reading a lot of Virginia Woolf when I was uh, writing and a lot of George Eliot when I was writing my first book. But I think that the sense that you um, enter their lives and you spend time with them, and or even though his descriptions are absolutely beautiful, what really informs your knowledge of each character is the internal time you spend within them, just in rooms with them and yes. listening to them talk. And I know with my novel, I have probably an entire other novel of scenes that I never used, but they were scenes where that, that followed on from a character walking out of a room and, and going down the stairs or somewhere else. So that I think something that I did manage to um, accidentally achieve probably is that the the characters in my novel, um, they don't exist just on a stage. There is a room next door and the house is complete. And I mean, Henry James does that in spades. Yeah. You, you absolutely are there. He, he, I don't know, not quite sure how long it took him to write um, the portrait of a lady, but my God, you live with them, and you know them, and you care. Yes. And there aren't obvious. I mean, um, there are there are people who are obviously awful, but they're all very rounded humans. They're three hundred and sixty humans. Yes. Uh, and I, I often imagine that you know. Uh, Watching a play or something, if the characters could walk off stage and come and sit with you, yeah, I mean, how how much would you believe then? Absolutely. Would, you know, would, would they actually be real people and, and making those people so that you can have lots of words left over with them walking out the room, going to make a cup of tea, doing it their way? Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's exactly. A, and I think I, I have a lot of trouble going to the theatre because I can never take my eyes off the wings. Right. And I find that with books you know I don't I don't want to be thinking about the author I don't want to be thinking how clever they are and I don't want to see the wings I the, I, I, I want to be in and their world extends forever as yeah. life does you know um, and I think that's the important thing and going back to techniques of learning how to write 
you do need to live with it and you can't you can't write a, a, a really well-rounded world in three months six months you need a year it takes yeah. a year to get to know a person how can you get to know your characters in a year or they get to know you you know i think there's a real minimum to it in terms of how deep or how deep and rich you want the world to be and and if you're content for it to be less than that because it's got it's highly plot driven and you know what i mean but but i think if you're looking for something really rounded it, it takes time and yeah. that, no shortcut exactly it's not the same as a two-hour movie it is not where, where they might have put some effort in the first few scenes at making the um the characters semi-believable but then after that they're just uh flatten out they're, they're just they're just agents of the and uh, sure, exactly swim. exactly and i'm sure you've had this experience and i certainly have where i've worked on a piece of well my second book you know a year of getting the first few drafts ready and then the next year, going back to it, it was, you know, I don't know, seventh or eighth draft, and finding that a particular character who I just didn't know well enough at the time suddenly turned around and told me something about them that I didn't know. Yes. And couldn't have told me before then. Now, that is fascinating. Yeah. When you, when you tell people that, and rather sheepishly at first, that mm. it's okay, the characters have let you know what's going to happen, as if they're talking to you. Mm. You know, their, their hand is, is straying towards the phone and, um, you know... Uh, Whatever, whatever health service would be appropriate. It's, um, but it's true. Once you live with characters like that, they do turn around. I mean, my one of the reasons why my first novel took fifteen years because it was the central protagonist that, that she didn't turn around for seven years. She yeah. stepped out of a window. She refused to talk to me. Yeah. And I, she literally and eventually I just said, look, I've had enough. You yes. turn around or I'm leaving. And she did turn around and it, and it yes. changed the novel completely. But it is, you know, we exist in a slightly nether world of madness between these two. And we just have to accept that that is the way of it. It is. I mean, and, and it gets so much easier then because you, you can stop forcing it. And, I mean, I remember I, I had to think of a particular direction um, in, in my first book. And uh, I just asked the characters. <laughs> I said, look, guys. Yes. Help me out here. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, Mark. <laughs> oh, well, actually. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy. And, and then that, that sort of leads on to a little fantasy I have where I'm, I'm sitting down one day and there's a knock on the door and all my characters I've written walk into uh, the house. I've had experiences where I've met people. Yes. Like the second book, there's a, I won't say that because, again, it's on submission, but there's a, the central character. Her, I was out in the woods and I would been, I'd been working with her that morning and I met a woman with the same name and for a moment it was as though I had that moment like, oh my God, I've just walked into my character. You know, obviously, luckily didn't say anything because this woman who obviously, you know, was just a normal woman would have thought I was absolutely insane. Well, right, she would have been on the phone at she that point. Yeah. I think walking into um, uh, places that one's written about where scenes have taken place, that is a very surreal experience. Yes. I've had a few times. Yes. Do you go back to places which have helped you write um, particular scenes? Well, I'll go back and sit in places where, where specific scenes take place just to right. check that I've got uh, everything in the right order. Because the second book is set now and it's set quite near here. So I can really, you know, go and get that right. And it's, it is very weird. I feel that the walls, everything starts to blur a little bit. And I'm not altogether sure whether I'm in my world or theirs, you know. Yes, that's right. And then one of the even stranger things sometimes is you, you, you might finish a bit of writing and you you come back to it weeks, months later, and you look at it and you think, did I write this? Oh, I have that all the time. It's bizarre. And mm. I 
I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but somebody was saying, you know, those two aspects, the, the writer who writes, and then there's the technical, the other us, who yeah. does all the publicity. And, and I think, again, just going back to, 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 to new writers, to understand those two sides. And so there's the creative, mystical, other world side of us, who yeah. must sit down and commune. But then that doesn't mean that you can't have a very practical relationship with your muse or whatever you want to call it. And I, again, remember having a conversation with mine saying, look, it's all very well for you to come at me with amazing ideas at three in the morning, but yeah. I have to work. So here are the hours I'm turning up and right. you turn up now too. That's we, a good idea. Do you know what I mean? And we actually, yeah. I negotiated a practical yes. relationship because otherwise it was like being bombarded, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, brilliant, lovely ideas, fantastic. And and where are the words on the page? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I suppose, I mean, one of the things to take away from this is, it, I mean, firstly, amazing we have the same, um, the same quote from uh, Walking to Sleep, is literally if people who do want to write get hold of the idea that if you just do turn up, mm. then eventually, once you've started practicing, Mm. No, something unconscious goes on, mm. and then things will come along for you. They will. And I, I always feel that there's a million stories all floating about in the ether, and they're so grateful when somebody puts up their hand. And if you, mm. and if you can show yourself to be a reliable conduit, right. they'll come. They'll come down. They'll come down. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Fantastic. Well, I hope that proves to be inspirational to um, to anybody who, who, who's decided that writing's for them. They've got the inkling that it is, because I, I think that's some absolutely splendid advice there. Great. Great, as always, to talk to you, Anna. Lovely to Thank see you. Thank you very much. Tune in for the next episode when my guest will be Sally Harris, author of Havers Croft, also published by Salt in 2019.